today, say amen. If you know he loves you, say amen. Our students can be dismissed. You can be seated. Our students up uh, ages 11, 12 or so can head out. Brother Trey has been doing children's church this month. Appreciate that. Appreciate that great singing today from both the musicians, the congregation. Man, what a great, a great time of worship already. Now we're going to worship through the Word of God. Breakups. The world is full of breakups. Now when I was in high school and college... Uh, all the girls at that time, I say all, probably not, not all, but many, uh, an unbelievable amount of girls that I personally knew and also uh, was aware of through the media, many girls when I was in high school and college thought that the dream couple was Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. If you know who Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston are, raise your hand, just want to see. If I kind of know, yeah, well when I was coming up, they were... The dream couple. Now, I did not care about Brad Pitt or Jennifer Aniston. Uh, y'all know my dad, those of you who do. He could care less than I could care about Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. So that was never a big deal uh, in our home. Uh, but man, I learned quick in high school. You know, if I was going to converse with the ladies that I went to school with, uh, I better know something uh, about them. Because so many of them looked to Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. In fact, when I look back at pictures... Uh, there are so many pictures of girls that I went to school with whose hair uh, is styled just like Jennifer Aniston's was uh, when she was on that show, uh, Friends. They were a big deal. And then the breakup happened. Now, the breakup occurred when uh, Brad Pitt left Jennifer Aniston for another woman named Angelina Jolie. And this is not an exaggeration. You'd have had to been my age, probably during that time, and you'd have had to live then, but there were many girls of my generation who literally uh, went into semi-depressions, lost a little bit of the glow from life, knowing that Jennifer and Brad had broken up. Now, when I was that age, I thought, they're sad because a marriage has ended. As I've gotten older, I've come to think, were they more upset because they realized that Angelina got him and they wouldn't? Is that really what was going on? Breakups. Life is full of breakups. Broken friendships. Broken marriages. Broken families. Broken communities and sadly, even within the body of Christ, the unity that Jesus desires has been broken by sin. Now the splintering of Christians, the breakup of believers is not a new thing. I, I kind of wish it was, but it's not. The breakup among believers is not new. It started early. Sadly, the splintering of Christians oftentimes had as much to do with personality conflicts as gospel issues. Now there were real gospel issues uh, clearly in the New Testament that, that broke believers apart that separated them. And just like today, there are real gospel issues that keep certain groups uh, from fellowshipping together in any sort of meaningful way, and some that we would even say an anthema to, because indeed it is a true gospel issue. But sometimes breakups among churches 
have not to do with gospel issues. They have much more to do with the personalities of the people involved and what happens when those personalities do not operate in a spirit of love, but in a spirit of provoking. This morning in the book of Acts, it is interesting, worth noting, and certainly the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate something to us. When right on the heels of a council, the Jerusalem council that we saw last week, which saved the church, which made sure that the church would be faithful to gospel issues, and there were deep divisions and there were deep problems, but the Holy Spirit, as it moved upon Luke when he wrote the book of Acts, wanted to show us and let us know that after the great church council at Jerusalem that saved the early church, that right on its heels, a splintering among individuals occurred, among brothers who had done as much as anybody, probably next to Peter and James, sure that the early church was centered around Jesus. This morning we are going to see the Word of God wants to teach us from the most epic ministry separation among individuals that has probably ever occurred in the history of the church. Now there are movements that have split apart uh, that maybe are bigger, but this indeed is among individuals probably the most epic separation that ever occurred and that's not uh, that's not just big talk that's that I believe is truth Acts chapter 15 Acts chapter 15 verses 35 through 41 is where we read of this breakup and we'll look at this uh, together now this breakup that occurs between two brethren that had done so much for each other and the cause of Christ verse 35 Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Let's go back. Let's check up on them. Let's see how... The ministries are going. We have a group that will leave for Haiti uh, this next week. And they're going to go and they're going to do ministry there. And they once again are going to check up on these brothers and sisters in Christ that they have ministered to and are part of their ministry. Well, here are Paul and Barnabas that have preached and planted churches and, and are sort of founding fathers to many, many churches. And they say, let's go together, right? What a great idea. Let's go together and preach the word and see how they're doing. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now we've encountered Mark already, and that Mark was on a journey with them, and Mark decided to go home. Mark decided to leave the mission. And Barnabas says, they're, they're unified in spirit, they're in agreement. This is a great idea. Let's go check on those churches. He determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good. He thought it was a bad idea. A bad idea that would affect what they were going to do. Paul thought not good to take him with them who had departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. 
in traditional marriages. Sometimes it is still stated, stated uh, do not let man tear asunder what God has put together. The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren in the grace of God. And he went through Syria under Cecilia, confirming the churches. What a breakup. What an unexpected development in the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas, who have changed the world for Jesus, but now it is over between them. And there is so much that we need to learn from this breakup. There's so much we can learn from what is stated, what we can learn from what later is going to occur in Scripture. There is so much that we need to know about the breakup between Paul and Barnabas. Not just so we can have historical information about them, but so that we may know how to keep the unity of Christ, even as our personalities and sometimes wants and desires differ from one another. I want to share four points today. And I really believe this is going to be a message that's going to get the wheels turning in your mind that God wants to use to get you to consider His work in the past and the work He does today and the work that He is doing in your life. Because let's be honest. Now, my mom is, is, is probably the kindest woman that I personally know. And she is the nicest. I mean, she's just super, super nice and she's... She's nice to everybody. I mean, if that's been your experience with my mom, say amen. Can I tell you something, though? Me and dad, every now and then, like, she's super nice, and she definitely puts others first. But every now and then, if somebody in the church has been just, you know, and she's not here, so I say it's like people who are responsible to teach kids what she's invested so much into, if they just keep showing up late or don't show up or don't let know, it's the same person over and over again. Sometimes she will look at me. And I'll see the slightest fluttering of the eyes and slightest downturn of the mouth that lets me know mama's nice, but mama ain't happy with this person. See, the truth is, all of us have people that we have issues with. When you're gathering in church, you've all got different personalities. And we all have to work together. And the truth is there are times that people do things, and sometimes it's irresponsible things that they just need to stop doing. And sometimes, though, it's not out of irresponsibility. It's out of maybe even different things that the Lord has put on our hearts that are correct, but we fail to work together to accomplish them. So I want us to see four things today. If you, if you love our church, say amen. Then listen closely. First thing we learn from the text, four things. First thing we learn from this split up between Paul and Barnabas, the most epic split up between personalities in the early church, we see that spiritual growth does not obliterate, spiritual growth does not do away with personality differences. Now, I think it's safe to say that overall in their walk with the Lord, Paul and Barnabas had to have been two of the most mature, if not the two most overall mature believers in the church. Both had an abundance of fruit, only a little taste of which we've gotten in the book of Acts. We've seen these guys are mature. They suffered for the faith. They, there's all kinds of fruit in their lives. But great spiritual growth 
does not mean that conflicts will disappear. Church, on this side of God's kingdom, within his church, there will be times that brothers and sisters have strong disagreement with one another. And I would say to the young Christians today, and I say this with a heart of pleading with you, because I've seen it over the course of my life many times, there are often those usually new to the faith, maybe been Christians for a year or two or two or three years, and everything's going great in the church, and then there's a falling out. And maybe the point that people part company. And I have seen too many believers who are young in the faith that were unprepared for that, did not realize that this would happen, or maybe didn't believe it would ever happen in their church. And when it did, they just completely left the church all together. Young Christian, do not be caught off guard. The Holy Spirit wants you to know about this for a multitude of reasons. One is, you need to know that personality clashes in church do cause breakups between people who have similar theology, who are dedicated to preaching Jesus, and who have even served and suffered for the Lord together. Does this bring the Lord glory when this sort of provoking and contention happens? Not the act itself, but that's not a reason to walk away from Jesus. Now think about Paul and Barnabas. What we see here is they could not agree on a practical question of whether or not to take Mark along on the next missionary journey. So these two men, who had an extended history of serving together, split apart. Here is Barnabas. Can you imagine the separation? Barnabas was the one who embraced Paul after his conversion. One reason we've been preaching through this book, and and I'll preach through books at a time, and then I'll do individual sermons. One reason to preach through books sometimes is because we have seen together that when Saul was saved, When Paul came to know the Lord, did everybody else in Jerusalem said, hey, I don't know about this guy, and there was some pretty good reason. He'd been been killing believers, taking them prisoners. Everybody else was afraid. But it was Barnabas when he was all alone there in Jerusalem. People, I mean, mean, he he just didn't have, I mean, maybe one or two, but, but the big guys apparently were having nothing to do with him. It was Barnabas who embraced him. And then later, we often forget this, Barnabas just did not, just embrace him when no one else among the Jerusalem group was having much to do with him, or very few people were. It was also Barnabas who went to Tarsus to look for Paul to bring him back to the work that Barnabas was doing at Antioch to get him on board with that, which really launched a lot of what we know about Paul's ministry and work. These two men had been commissioned together to go on the first missionary journey that they had gone on. These men, again, I say it again, they had been persecuted for the faith together. Despite all of that, these two men broke apart in the ministry. Spiritual maturity does not erase personality differences. So knowing that, you can't just say, I love my church and I want unity, it's actually something you have to work at because of sin, it will not keep itself. We need the divine work of God in our lives and a yielding to the Holy Spirit to receive that gift of unity and actually to watch it grow amongst us. Spiritual growth does not obliterate personality differences. And here's the second principle. Listen to this. Be careful that personality differences, although they're going to be there, be careful they do not lead you into sin. There are some who suggest that Paul was right and Barnabas was wrong in the disagreement. And they suggest that uh, for two reasons. One, you're given a little extra wording about Paul, that the brethren uh, recommended him 
and the grace of God. That statement is made there. They also say this because the book of Acts shifts to Paul uh, pretty much alone after this point. Be very careful with that. Because Luke, who's writing the book, is a close friend of Paul. So when it comes time to write the history of the church, clearly being led of the Holy Spirit of God when he's going to tell what's happened, he's an associate of Paul, and he does not chastise Barnabas. Now, Paul wrote a number of letters. Some of them Paul probably dictated, and somebody else wrote them. We think somebody else actually penned them, but he's telling them what to write. Paul has no problem in letting others know when people in the ministry have sinned against him and done wrong against him. This is not said about Barnabas. We are only told that they left. So I would be very careful about making statements or comments that go beyond what the text simply tells us. Be careful. In fact, if you look at the rest of Scripture, what's amazing is both men's decision had positive effect on the kingdom of God. So maybe, and I'm going to show you in the text why I believe this, maybe actually in this situation both men were right while at the same time being wrong. Did you know that? Did you know that it is very, very possible to be very, very right in what you want and very, very wrong in how you go about seeing it done? And and I'm going to bracket this. This is my opinion from the text. I think both of them were right, and I also think both of them were probably wrong. One Bible teacher puts it this way. Paul was right in saying, John Mark cannot go with me, because Paul was a rugged pioneer who over and over again ventured into enemy strongholds. He could not have, he did not need a teammate who would not run into the heat of battle with him because Paul was never going to back up. Paul was not going to slow down. Paul literally was going to burn out for the glory of God. And Jesus himself had told him, you will suffer. Great things you will suffer for my cause and my name. So Paul knew because Jesus told him. Now Jesus tells the truth, say amen. Jesus told him. You will suffer great things. Paul could not have someone who was going to flinch in the face of hardship and adversity. There would be enough people who would oppose his doctrine, who would oppose his preaching. They'd already stoned him and left him for dead. This is a man who could not afford for others who did not love Jesus as radically as he did to be slowing down the little bit of time that God had given him for his glory. Paul's great strength that is so clear in the, in the letters that he wrote, it's so clear from the book of Acts, his great strength is his resolute commitment to follow Christ no matter the cost. This is a man that was willing to stand firm in his convictions, even if that meant publicly confronting a figure as powerful as the Apostle Peter, which we just saw earlier uh, last week. You could beat Paul. You could throw Paul in prison. You could stone him. You could do whatever, but you could not stop him from proclaiming Jesus and Jesus crucified as the only way of salvation. And folks, Mark, based on what we know, it seems Mark had not proven himself to be such a believer. Time was not right or appropriate for him. In fact, 
again, opinion here, but it's entirely possible that the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul because he knew he was going to suffer. It's, it's highly possible that if John Mark would have went with him and would have faced the heat of the battle that Paul is going to face that we're going to find out about so quickly, he might have left the faith forever. He's already one time apparently left. So Paul says, no way. This is one who has proven that he cannot do what needs to be done in the ministry God has called me to. But I also think the Bible shows us that Barnabas was perhaps right. Barnabas saw some sort of undeveloped potential in Mark. And Barnabas wants to extend God's grace to this young man in spite of his earlier mistake, his earlier leaving, which the text seems to suggest was, was a deserting of the cause. Barnabas' greatest strength was his ability to encourage the faint-hearted, his ability to help the weak. His greatest strength was the ability to champion the, champion the outsider and the person who is on the fringe and bring them and help them to keep moving along with this glorious work that God is doing so that they could be faithful. Barnabas knows how to show grace to those who have failed or those who others are unsure of. And the Bible and history and Paul himself will prove Barnabas right because Paul himself will later tell the Colossian church to welcome Mark. In his final imprisonment, Paul tells Timothy to pick up Mark and bring him with him because he indeed is useful to Paul for the ministry. So apparently Barnabas' effort to reclaim Mark for the cause and the work of the Lord paid off. That is why I'm inclined to believe that the motivation of both men, it doesn't have to be that one of their motivations is wrong. It can be that both of their motivations are right. And what I read in the Bible leads me to think that, that, that knowing what we know about them, their motivations probably were right in why each of them felt the way they felt. But if both men could be right, then both men could be wrong as well. And perhaps where they were both wrong is how they dealt with the disagreement. Now you say, that's a strong statement to say the Apostle Paul could be wrong. I'm going to break down some of the language that is used in that passage. Same language that Paul will use in later letters to tell people how not to behave. It seems they both refused to see the validity of what the other wanted. And I wish the text told us that they agreed to disagree and that they parted ways in a spirit of mutual respect. Instead, all we are told is that it was a sharp disagreement. Read verse 39 again. Because it truly is one of the saddest passages in the Bible. The contention between them. The spirit of contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. The verb there, the word used for the contention that is so sharp is the same verb you, same Greek word, translated sharp disagreement in the great love chapter of Corinthians. Where Paul will later write to all believers under the moving of the Holy Spirit and will tell us that love is not provoked. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. You can see this on the screen. Brother Rick, show them uh, that great passage. Love suffers long, is kind, envies not. Love vaunts not itself, it's not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. 
Paul wrote that. There have been many. There have been many. I say many. There have been those that have thought about this and they suggest that later when Paul writes this, you wonder when Paul thought about love and he thought about the love that Barnabas had for him. Now again, this is opinion, but it's not hard to imagine this. When he thought about the provoking spirit that they had with one another, that God would use this. God would use this way that they wrongly treated one another for him to help the whole world know this is what love looks like. And it doesn't look like when you provoke one another. Well, if you're glad the Lord can use our mistakes, say amen. Now, this language here, the contention was so sharp, suggests that instead of working things out in Christian love, even if they were going to arrive at the same decision, and perhaps the Holy Spirit had moved on both of them to make this decision. You know that? I mean, it's very plausible. The Holy Spirit had moved on Paul because he knew what he was going to go through, saying, nope, good idea to want to go do missionary work, but he cannot go with you because this will destroy him if he goes with you. The same Holy Spirit can move on Barnabas. Barnabas, yeah, this is a good idea to go do this, but actually I got something a little different for you. I need you to work with this brother and take him somewhere and do ministry with him. He needs somebody to mentor him because I got big plans for Mark. And in fact, he's actually going to be faithful and stay with Paul. And I need you because of your spirit and your gifts to get him ready. Actually, you need to go somewhere else. They, but that's not, that's not what happened. They didn't have this difference and then come together and figure out how they both could please the Lord together. It just says in language that is not good. The contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from the other. There's no indication, again, that either are following Paul's later teaching on the inspiration of the Spirit that love is not provoked. So Paul's great strength was his resolute commitment to follow Christ. Perhaps Paul's weakness is his inability to accept and work with a weaker man like Mark or to have much patience for those who were engaged in that kind of ministry. Barnabas, however, had his own weakness. Yes, Barnabas could show grace. But at times, the type of grace and the way he expressed it was not what was needed. Sometimes Barnabas, apparently, was not willing to stand up when he needed to stand up and say hard things, hard words to other people. This was evidenced when Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy of Peter and the other Jews who withdrew from eating with Gentile Christians out of fear of, of offending the Judaizers. Paul lets us know that, that hey, even Barnabas got caught up in that. He didn't, he didn't stand firm when he should have. This just says to me, know your strength, but you better be humble about your strength. Do not be arrogant about the gifts, either natural or spiritual, that the Lord has given you. Because the devil and your sinful flesh that is war within you knows how to exploit your greatest strength for the cause of the enemy. That your sinful flesh and the devil wants to use your greatest strength to lead you into rebellion against the will of God. Your greatest strength for most people, maybe everybody, but I can't speak for everybody, but I can say for most people that I've read about in history and that I've encountered and what I know about myself, our greatest strength, if we are not careful, becomes our greatest weakness. And if we are arrogant about that strength, if we are prideful in that strength, no doubt about it, 
You get proud in the strength and the gift the Lord has given you instead of just focusing on giving Jesus glory through your gift. You get proud in it. You get built up in it. Believe me, you are headed for a fall. Now listen, I want to say it again. If you are glad that God forgives us and uses us when we have failed Him, say amen. Because this is the fourth and final point. You say, boy, this is depressing. We have had an outstanding worship service. We've celebrated good giving in the church. It's just been a great day all the way around, preacher. And now we gotta, we got to think about these two men that fell apart like this. Let me tell you a fourth thing. Because let me tell you why this needs to be known for historical reasons so the church will know how the church went. But there's a theological and a spiritual reason that this appears where it does. This is not just history so you will know that this happened. It is that, but it is more than that. I believe this is here, right here in the smack. Now imagine, most of us, see, most of us are Sunday school people. I, I take that back. A good portion of us are Sunday school people. And if we're not Sunday school people, we've been in, a lot of you have been in church a lot. Some of you, this may be the first time you've ever read about Paul and Barnabas falling apart. So some of you have been in church your whole life. You need to get your mind. You need to let the Holy Spirit work on your mind. Imagine this is the first time you've been reading through the book of Acts. And this brother Barnabas, who did all this for Paul, that they have fallen out over something that it seems God actually continued to use both of their ministries, but they have fallen out in a way that, as far as we know, was never personally mended. It doesn't tell us that. Why? Theologically, spiritually, what does God want you to take away from this? And this is the fourth and final point. Today's text is God gripping your heart and reminding you, put your faith in God, not other people. Put your faith in God, not your friends at church camp. Put your faith in God, not your mother, not your father. Put your faith in God, not the spiritual heritage, as good as that is, of your grandmother and your grandfather. Put your faith in God, not the music director. Put your faith in God, not your Sunday school teacher. Put your faith in God, not your deacon. Put your faith in God, not in your spouse. Today's text tells us, put your faith in God. And there is a glory, and there is an honor. And there is a worship that is due to God alone because we fail and we falter. And even those that you look up to the most and you love the most can err. Two of the most dedicated servants of Jesus. And yet Paul and Barnabas broke up. Apparently in a sinful spirit of provoking that led to this. Not in the spirit of love. That Paul, because it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that in the spirit of love they decide. It says the contention was sharp. Noah was the only one walking with God in his day. And yet, after God's deliverance on the ark, it was Noah who got drunk and shamefully exposed himself. Job was a righteous man in his day. And yet, when God showed up on the scene, God had to set this righteous man straight in his errant thinking. David, a man after God's own heart. And boy, I've been moved by this through our chronological Bible reading that some of us have been doing. David's story is so miserable after he fell into sin with Bathsheba and then committed murder 
you wonder what would have happened if he'd just been with Bathsheba and then he would have gotten forgiveness and then not done murder and then all that's going to fall out. Listen, David's story is a disaster. Does God still love him? Yes, that is clear. But if you read the Old Testament accounts, there is no sparing for what happens to David and his family because of his sin. And the Bible says this man was after God's own heart and yet he fell into terrible sin. Maybe that's why Solomon would later write, because Solomon surely knew from the example of his father, there is no man, no person that sins not. There is no one who will not let you down. So let us respect and appreciate our Christian leaders, forefathers, foremothers. Let us respect those Christian influences in our life, but let us reserve our devotion, our worship, Let us reserve our praise of glory for one name, the name of Jesus. Save it all for Jesus who never shamed his father God. Oh, listen, when Brad and Jennifer, when they broke up, a little bit of the glow of Hollywood love faded for those few who still believed in Hollywood love. It was was gone then. Okay, whatever. But Paul and Barnabas' breakup, this is serious business for the church because this is a breakup of contention between two brothers who changed the world. But the text wants us to know, and the history is going to show through the rest of Acts, God is still on the throne. When your mother and father that you never thought would enter into sin begin to provoke one another and divorce from one another, and you think, how could my mom and dad do this? I want you to know that God is still on the throne. When that pastor that you love commits infidelity or does some of abuse or lies to somebody or whatever, God is still on the throne. When your best friend at church camp stops coming to church camp because they have no time for church. They have no time for God. They have no time for Jesus, and they have left those things. I want you to know, young person, God is still on the throne. Jesus still reigns. He still reigns. And right here, kind of in the middle of this book of Acts, our hearts are ripped a little bit. We feel a little bit of the pain that the church felt when Paul and Barnabas provoked one another and split. But Acts also shows us that this same Jesus who had saved them both, that he's still still on that throne. And it helps us actually see the reason that our glory goes to him and him alone. So maybe you've been doing some sinful provoking. Maybe you've been saying some things that provoke others. Maybe you've been doing some things to rattle the cage of other believers. Now, there's a way to do that that actually is in the right spirit, the Holy Spirit. But then there's a way to do it where it's just you. Maybe you and another person have been getting into it, and you've not been operating with what Paul or the Holy Spirit, the leader, has told us to do. You've not been operating with patience or care or love. Did you know today that if you've been provoking others or you've not been operating with love or forgiveness or patience, Jesus can forgive you right now. Maybe you've been placing too much trust in your gifts, spiritual or natural, and you have forgotten the one who gave you the gifts. Maybe today there's too much pride in you. Maybe today you're looking to other places for your strength. My friends, those other people, those other places, you yourself, you will betray yourself. They will betray you. 
you will be led into sin. And that is why, as sad as this breakup is, it is not the final word. The final word is just as Jesus apparently used both of them after this. And I really believe with those that you read some of what Paul later wrote. And it's, again, we don't know for sure, but it's not hard to see that man, this brother who'd done all this for him, did God really use that in Paul's life to then help give us biblical teaching that we needed to know for how to teach other, treat others? My friends, Jesus can forgive you today. He can forgive you if last night you were sleeping with somebody that wasn't your spouse. He can forgive you today. If you looked at pornography this morning, in the early morning hours, He can forgive you today. If you have been really proud about your abilities, He can forgive you today. Listen, Jesus forgave them, I believe. and He will forgive you. And it's because of that that we give Him all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Be glad for Jesus. Say amen. Saddest breakup in the, in the church between individuals, I think. Saddest one. But Jesus is still on the throne. You stand with me this morning. Let's sing together. Cecil's going to come pick us out a number. We're going to sing to the praise of Jesus today and the glory of Jesus, but it's also a time for you. Again, this, this, this sermon, this message, this is not just history. This is something we need to know so that, that spirit of provoking and contention, listen, that we, we set that aside and operate in the spirit of love. I want you to do this while he's coming. I want you to do this. I want you to think of that person in your life that makes you raise the eyebrow a little bit, makes you move the mouth just a tad. For most of us, we go way, way beyond my mom. That person that gets you really riled up. And maybe you're right that what they've done is wrong. You could be right about that. But do not let the fact that you are right about something lead your spirit to a place that is not right. Who is it that you, that you need to ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Father God, be with us today. Father God, be in this sermon today. Father God, I, I pray this morning that you would use this message. Lord, I believe there's somebody here that, Lord, they need Jesus' forgiveness right now. There's been some issues, some problems in their life. Lord, they need Him. Lord, I pray that as we've read about these two great servants of yours, that, Lord, if somebody's heart has touched them, that, yeah, it's just about Jesus. It's just about Him. Lord, you use this message today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.